You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf with Healthicity. And today's guest is Brian Burton, the Chief Compliance and Privacy Officer for Healthicity. Welcome, Brian. Good morning, CJ, and good afternoon or evening to those who may be on, who may be listening to our podcast. Yeah, I guess if, you know, people have trouble sleeping, maybe you just listen to the soft, calming, compliance voices <laughs> at night. <laughs> no, I don't think that would be such a good idea. But welcome, Brian. We're glad to have you. And uh, we're going to continue with our series of talking about careers in compliance. And we thought it'd be interesting to, to just kind of ask each other, you know, Brian and I both come from a little bit different compliance backgrounds. and uh, it's always interesting to hear how people, you know, ended up in compliance, which we've talked about in, in prior podcasts. And today we thought we'd take it kind of to the next level and talk about some some additional questions. And and one of the questions that we get a lot and that I hear a lot is, you know, describe your average day. Is, this is especially a true question that I get from people who who are transitioning to compliance, maybe from another career, maybe they have clinical background or legal background or accounting background, whatever it may be. And they say, well, what's, what's the average day like? And I think that's going to vary from, from place to place. But let me ask you, Brian, first, you know, what, what's your average day like? Or maybe even in past uh, positions, what's your average day been like? So CG, I think that's such a compelling question. And it's almost going to sound like a cliche, but at least from my experience, there has been no average day in, in the world of <laughs> compliance as a professional. Um, I, and I think that's what draws me into the into the work so much is there's it seems to be there's almost controlled chaos. Um, right. <laughs> you, know, you might go from a HIPAA issue to a regulatory compliance issue to billing and coding to an HR matter that loops in compliance. And so from from my experience, that's the most exciting part about being a compliance professional is there is no average day. Um, yeah. I think as compliance professionals, we have to have that that personality and, and almost an attitude that we're willing to accept any input, think about it carefully, and then provide consistent you know, thought or advice based on the, the evidence or the facts that we collect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so yeah. sometimes, yeah. sometimes for me, that might be, you know, we, you might have a project oriented um an audit or something of that nature that you might be working on. So you might spend several hours focused on a particular audit. Um, it, you might be in the midst of that audit and then get a hotline call that requires your immediate attention. So the ability to, to be dynamic and flexible becomes instrumental to the, to the success of the position. Absolutely. Yeah. For, for me, you know, I think um, some of the, the things that, constitute a big portion of my day. And it, it depends right on the position. If you're entry level and you're kind of an analyst um, and you're you're kind of doing the the day-to-day work, right? Like you were mentioning audits, policy review, 
um, hotline management, incident management, those sorts of things. If you're maybe in a more out, uh, outward facing role, like maybe you're in education in the compliance department or um, maybe you're a manager. A lot of what we do in compliance on a daily basis is communicating with stakeholders, right? So um, our job is to, to manage the day-to-day operations of the compliance program. And the way you do that is you, you secure uh, partners within the organization that, that will be on, on the same page as you. And so meetings are a part of it. Um, but, but communicating and often, um, I don't want to say maybe pushing the agenda, but, you know, being a, an evangelist or a, a cheerleader for the agenda of compliance, right? Where you're, we're often trying to convince people of the importance of compliance, especially people who might, might not be aware of it. Um, a lot of interdisciplinary teams, right? So I, an average day might, might include, you know, interact in healthcare, at least interacting with providers. So maybe nurses and doctors, Occasionally working with uh, management, so you know maybe a practice manager or department manager, um, and working you know with IT. I mean, there's a, you just work with everybody. And I often tell people, you know, when you get into a compliance role, I think this is also true if you work in the internal auditing department, you get really good exposure to all the other departments uh, in the organization. Did you find that to be true, Brian? Absolutely. And I think uh, for those who might have heard some of our other, uh, some of the previous podcasts we've done on this subject, my start in compliance was really project oriented and then triaging hotline calls. Um, And to your point, you know, that, that itself, depending on the volume of hotline calls that an organization may get, you may find yourself really busy or you may only get a couple of those a month. Um, But to your point, CJ, you find yourself communicating with every functional area of the organization, whether it be your clinical staff, your, your financial operations, executive management, you know, compliance becomes almost a central figure within the organization as, you know, all of those external or, or internal departments have questions for us. What, what and how do we manage this activity as it relates to the compliance program? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the questions that are clear cut and black and white answers aren't the ones you typically get in a day. So, um, you know, because because most people know those and, and it's it's not a lot of debate. I think the reason we have full time careers in compliance is because we're often making judgment calls and applying principles of rules and regulations to mm-hmm. specific scenarios. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking was, you know, I also spent quite a bit of time reading regulations and trying to interpret them, not from a legal standpoint, you know, we work closely with legal um, mm-hmm. and it's under, it's important to understand those legal ramifications. But once you understand those legal ramifications, it's important to recognize that people you're going to be teaching and training and communicating, you know, maybe a new regulation to are not typically the lawyers. And so you have to translate kind of the legalese into, okay, what does this mean for a nurse on the floor? Uh, What does this mean for a pharmacy tech in the pharmacy? You know, and so understanding, um, you know, your colleagues jobs, what motivates them, what, what will, you know, convince them or motivate them to 
want to follow this or not want to follow this rule or regulation. So, I, you know, a lot of reading and analysis and then kind of strategizing on what's the best way to, to roll out this communication. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and your, your thought really caused me to think back too. And sometimes we're, we're trying to determine the regulatory requirements and then how does that apply to our organization, right? So there, there may be a new regulation, but the first question is, is it applicable to us? Do we offer this service or do we have this condition present in our environment to make this regulation applicable to us? And then right. providing the education to, to your point, CJ, downstream, all the way down to every employee that it may impact. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what we've just kind of described, Ryan, are probably the seven elements and, and more, right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking at all these different, these different aspects. And I think if you're in, in a, maybe a, a more senior leadership role, you probably um, move a little bit away from the, the daily um, tasks of, you know, uh, answering a hotline call. You may have staff that does that sort of thing, but you're looking at more of a strategic perspective. And so you're looking at the culture of the organization. You're working with leaders on strategic initiatives to you know, to move the needle, so to speak, on, you know, the compliance culture uh, for the organization and how do you do that? And, you know, after you've got the nuts and bolts down of the compliance program, now you're working on strategy and culture and, and, and those sorts of things. Absolutely. So, All CJ, right. if I... Oh, sorry, go I, ahead, Brian. I was going to say, if I could, maybe we transition. Uh, it kind of probes another, another question for me is, what exactly. would you consider to be you know, the largest or the most significant pro and maybe the most significant con of being a compliance professional? Yeah. You know, for me, I think the, the biggest pro for me is the constant learning and the changing of things um, and, and meeting people. Uh, that was my biggest pro. I didn't really enjoy sitting in the office. Uh, and maybe this is more personality, right? So I think each person might find a different pro, but for me, it was the opportunity to be engaged with the, the entire organization, learn what they do, learn how these rules intersect with what they do and, and learning myself. And so the pro for me was that it was rarely the same thing every day. And so I, it was a constant learning environment and I really enjoy that. I think the con for me, what would probably be, the the inherent perception that a lot of people have that compliance or is out to get you. They're the police. They're the this. They're the that. Uh, and, and I don't. I just don't believe in that fundamentally as a compliance philosophy. That uh, that I'm the police. I manage activities that the organization has de decided these are important for the organization. Uh, but compliance belongs to everybody. And I often, you know, especially with some stronger personality types, um, I don't mean to paint too broad a brush here, but some doctors that I've worked with, you know, have, I seriously think they think I stay up over the weekend to come up with new <laughs> rules and laws to, to, to ruin their life. It's like, no, sorry, I was fishing. I've got things to do on my free time. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to ruin your life. These, these rules and laws come from higher powers. There's ways to to be involved in that process if you don't like those rules and laws. So, yep. I, you know, I, 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 a lot of times you have to let people vent um, and then you can get to the rest of the meeting. Um, 
because they want to vent about this new law rule. And, and I kind of moved past that. I'm like, well, I don't like all these either, but they are what they are. And we're trying to keep the organization safe. And I'm not here to, to police you. I'm trying to be proactive. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and to circle back, I think you and I share several, several pros and cons. And I guess from my perspective, a slightly different pro is in the last 12 years or so as a compliance professional, what I've really noticed and, and find my passion in is that ability to watch a compliance program build and mature yeah. and watch oh, how nice. it translates to the culture uh, and, and how employees and members of our workforce respond to that culture positively. Uh, right. But, you know, for me, that's, that's very motivating. Um, I, I really, really love watching that transition, and it's one of the one of the, one of the most amazing things here at Helvetia is now I get to do that with you know tons of different types of organizations from all kinds of spectrums. Um, yeah. From a con perspective, uh, would reiterate a lot of those experiences that you described are very similar, and I've had many of those myself. And if I were to think of a particular con, is finding a way not to be overwhelmed. Um, compliance. <laughs> can be so overbearing um, and the pressure of maintaining compliance in an organization, regardless if it's huge enterprise level nationwide health system or a small physician practice with less than two or three providers, the pressure to make sure your organization is compliance is real. Right. And so finding, finding good, positive uh, coping mechanisms um, and outlet Finding a mentor, I think you mentioned having a mentor in a previous uh, podcast, finding that person, finding other resources in your network that can help that you can help share that burden with. Because I think once once you enter enter this profession and then you find other like minded professionals and compliance and you start having those conversations, we all have a shared experience. And so relying on each other to help us keep motivated um, and, and not become overwhelmed becomes becomes a con, but it's also an achievement at the same time, because if you stay in this profession for, you know, 10 plus years, you're going to, you're going to have highs and lows. It's going to be like riding a roller coaster sometimes, right? You're going to have to go into the CFO's office and talk about, you know, the organization owes a lot of money back to the government. Um, You're going to have a difficult conversation with a provider that's going to be challenging for you both professionally and personally sometimes. So just finding ways to, to measure those and then finding strength in the successes that you have. Yeah. You know, to that point about, you know, those conversations, you're often the messenger and you're often uh, bringing some sort of news that you, you think that, that the (laughs) recipient's not going to love. Right. So, uh, but that's part of our job. It's to be those individuals in the organization who are going to speak the truth. um, And hopefully you have a supportive enough environment that um, you know that you that you can speak the truth safely, and and that's you know without that, I think you're going to struggle in, the, in an organization. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting uh, conversation there. So, what, Brian, one of the other questions that we often get, especially from people who are trying to transition to a career in compliance, has to do just with salary and and uh, you know maybe salary for an entry level person versus salary for a more senior position you know, benefits, those sorts of things. And this, of course, is going to vary. Um, but what what are your experiences or thoughts when people ask you that kind of question about average wage and benefits for different levels? 
this is going to sound so uh, so routine, <laughs> and, but it really depends on your experience, uh, your background, what you bring to the organization. What what profession were you in before? You know, are you a are you entering the compliance professional as a as a graduate uh, of a of an undergraduate degree or, or an advanced degree? You know, where are you education and then experience wise? Yeah. Um, and without getting into too much detail and explaining explicit salaries, you know, I, I really believe HCCA does a fantastic job of putting together um, their, their annual salary report. I think that's a, if you're really considering a transition to this profession, that is a tremendous resource to go and look at, uh, compare those data elements to your, to your, to your career and where you are um, and see where you might fit. But it, it, it does. It, it varies wildly. Um, yeah. If you, you know, it just does. The economics of the organization will like will usually dictate the salary that's available. Yeah, yeah that's so true. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you. The HCCA salary survey is really good. So those who are just listening, HCCA is Healthcare Compliance Association. Um, they have tens of thousands of members and they, they do these annual salary surveys. And I was actually looking at that uh, recently um, for a client and, and uh, you may need to be a member to use this feature, but they have an interactive uh, salary survey where you can pick out all sorts of criteria. So to your point, Brian, about how much experience you have, um, like if you, you can list, so there's like probably 20 different fields and you can say this, no, this much experience, this region of the country, this level of education, uh, you know, this size of organization, this, and sometimes they, they'll list what the total revenues are for that organization, because as you mentioned, you know, the economics of the organization often drive salary and stuff. But I threw in some of those, those um, basic entry-level characteristics, you know, less than three years experience, you know, and we're, and again, it's going to depend on the geographic area of the country, but we're looking probably 60, 70,000, depending on what, what kind of experience you have in, in other fields. And then in the senior level, you know, we're talking six figures, people get bonuses and that sort of thing, um, you know, upwards to 200, 300,000 I've seen, and, and even greater depending on the the amount of, um, that the organization has. And, and so it, it's just so broad and so wide, um, but I agree with you. Look at that, that salary survey and you can, you can drill down given your specific um, circumstances and experience and education. And the, for me, CJ, I think the last point on this subject is the job market, not just specific to compliance, but really all industries, the job market today is very dynamic. Right. Um, the, the U.S. economy has thrived. It's currently steering down at today as we speak. Um, but, you know, you see the, the unemployment levels and the, and the market availability uh, I, I'm, I have known, you know, fellow compliance professionals who have transitioned for, for sweetheart deals, right? They're, they're getting great job offers in this market. And so I think the, the overall job market also dictates a little bit of, you know, where is that for entry level from entry level to senior, uh, compliance professionals. It really, yeah. it, it's really difficult to gauge uh, because there are a ton of variables. Yep. And I'll close yep. with, it is a very it is a very rewarding career um, if it's something you're passionate about. That's right. Yeah, it's got to be a good fit for you. 
um, you know, liking the types of things we've talked about today and in another podcast. So, well, with that, with, you know, uh, if somebody were to ask you or often asked, you know, if you could go back in time, just as a private individual, what would you, what advice would you give? So maybe we asked each other this question, what advice would you give to your, yourself, your early compliance professional self, if you could go back in time, knowing what you know now? Yeah, read more, be more patient, um, and, and be more compassionate. That's great advice. Anything specific on what you would read more? It depends on the, on your, on your current path, uh, on your current field. Um, for me, I think a, a good portion of my career, I stayed focused in HIPAA compliance a lot. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really familiar with Stark and anti-kickback as well. Um, it, it be as broad as, as, as you can. I, you know, you may have heard me, CJ, you might remember, I described compliance as being five miles wide and five miles deep, and none of us can cover 25 square miles. Right. Um, but being, you know, go half a mile or a mile deep across all seven elements of compliance plus HIPAA, um, yep. plus the other regulatory requirements that might be impacting your organization. Um, yeah. And then choose a specialty. Um, choose an area of compliance where it, it's passionate for you, um, and then go five miles deep and learn it from forwards, backwards, and become a trusted resource for that particular subject in compliance. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, How about you? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's so much that I might tell myself, um, and I don't have any regrets, but if you literally could go back and, and you know, yeah, of course you can't, right? You're, you're living your life and you're doing what you can in the moment. So, you, you kind of have to follow your gut there. But I guess one thing I would say, because part of this question is getting at, you know, giving advice to others who may be early in their career. I, I think I would tell myself and others, make sure you really are getting a good fit in the organization that you like the culture, um, you know, be bold when you're interviewing and ask questions that probe a little bit. Of course, they're not going to be able to tell you the details that may be confidential, but you know, it, it shows what, what place you are in. So, you know, you could ask questions like, okay, I am doing an audit and I find out that we, um, you know, are going to potentially have to repay $5 million. How does this organization react or, or how do you see this or organization reacting? And you could use a hypothetical like that. But part of the reason I say that is, you know, if, if you get kind of like, Oh, we've never had to do anything like that. Or if you get, well, you know, so just gauging their reaction because you, you know, switching jobs and going into a career, it's a big investment in time, effort. You know, you, sometimes you move, uh, you relocate. Um, and, and it's a lot of investment for the entity hiring you too. And so wouldn't it be just better if everyone knew upfront where they stood and where you stood? I, I know that's easier said for me now, because I've kind of established a career, but, and when you're trying to just get into it, you're just looking for that first job. So I get that you have to kind of balance those, but I think it's really important to understand, to make sure you're fitting into a compliance culture that you're comfortable with. Unfortunately, there are compliance programs out there that are just window dressing. They're just trying to check a box and they're not serious about it. And, and some people are okay with that, but some people will be like, look, I'm in this to, you know, make a change and, and to make the organization better. Is the organization really committed? 
at making it better. Yeah, CJ, I think that's wonderful and just beautiful advice for, for individuals considering entering compliance as a profession. Yeah. Easier said than done, but <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> this hypothetical of we could go back in time. Um, so, Brian, another question that we got from here are what are the different types of compliance jobs? So, you know, if you're starting in healthcare compliance, maybe for a hospital, for example, or any other entity that you're comfortable addressing, you know, what specific jobs are out there? Um, what types and roles? Well, I think that's that's really interesting. I, you know, it could be anything from HIM professionals who are, who are working in the HIM department who are just starting to you know collect the the health record, manage the health record. It could be an individual who's in you know patient accounting or patient financial services who's just starting the the process of processing um, claims data or or yep. bills. Uh, for payment. It could be an IT person who's got tasked with the responsibility of implementing the HIPAA security rule, right? It, there's, there are so many different avenues. Um, there are even, you know, you might be able to speak to this, there are professional educators, right? That's right. Um, who, who enter the, the profession as a professional educator. Uh, I think that's the beauty of compliance is it really takes, it takes a village. It, it yeah. takes many of us with different skills and backgrounds to really manage a real healthy an effective compliance program. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think it will also depend on the organization as we've been saying. So if you're if you're in a smaller organization, you might be considered a compliance generalist where you're asked to yep. do all sorts of these things where Jack policy writing, yeah, policy writing, developing education, doing audits, doing interviews and investigations. In larger organizations, there may be more specialization. So I was in a very large organization with a compliance department where we had a data analyst that was really a, a technical expert, um, not really a, necessarily a compliance expert, but we had so much compliance data in the organization and other sorts of data that we just needed somebody with expertise to analyze that data. And so he learned the compliance spin uh, over time, but his core skill was in data analytics. And so that was a very specialized thing. Like you mentioned, we had people who are educators. Um, I kind of come from an education background as well. And so I, I have some experience and kind of a passion for developing training. Uh, and so there's, there are skills that are unique there. Um, and so that would might be a role. Uh, some people that are coming from maybe a, a healthcare background, like maybe nursing or, or some other clinical background mm -hmm. might get involved in, in patient safety. Uh, if that's a piece of it, you also get things like, you know, medical coding and billing where you're looking at medical records and you're, you're trying to make use your clinical knowledge to help um, comply with certain things like, was this procedure medically necessary? Um, you know, and is it documented appropriately? And those sorts of things start to utilize people's clinical knowledge. Um, auditing, uh, there's auditors that, uh, though they might not be content experts in everything, like you said, you can't know the five miles wide and five miles deep and be a subject matter of everything. But auditing skills are unique skill set where mm -hmm. you know you follow a certain procedures so that the audit is not biased that you're presenting results to management and, and you're following these accepted auditing practices regardless of what the subject is um 
writing, right? So people who are helpful in writing policies, um, that's a skill and, and that's a role. I, we've had investigators before. So we had in one, another, this is a different organization, but it was also a large co compliance department. We had one person who had um, some expertise in uh, kind of investigations from uh, a different uh, prior career. And so she was the one who did all of our very sensitive investigations where interviewing skills um, were essential. So when you're interviewing somebody uh, and they could potentially be lying and those sorts of things. Uh, that's where that skill set came in. And then you have managers, right? You have people who are running the program, running, you know, managing teams uh, and those management skills. So if you have management skills, um, you know, that is, that's the real art and skill unto itself. And so you could probably get involved in compliance um, and, and learn some of the content, but being able to manage a team to success and, and those sorts of things. So I, I just think there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities, but it's going to depend on the size of the organization. I could not agree more with everything you said. And, cause it, and that's what makes, I think that going back to what I said earlier in today's podcast is, you know, that's what makes for me, that's what makes compliance fun because we can do so many different things. Uh, and you get to build trusting relationships with those team members and your internal stakeholders um, to really manage an effective compliance program. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're getting kind of close to the end. So I'm going to ask maybe for some final thoughts from you. Let me give you a, a thought that came into my mind as, as you were talking earlier about mentors. Uh, so on prior podcasts, we really drilled home the point of, you know, finding a mentor and even to reaching out to some of us. Uh, and Brian, I wanted to report to you, somebody reached out to me uh, and um, we had some really good conversations. And, and this individual was looking at a, a, a job switch and they were moving from kind of a uh, standard academic medical center type of system. Um, and the job opportunity was, was more in industry. So it was with a medical uh, device company. And so it's a it, compliance, it's still healthcare compliance. There's a lot of overlap, but there's definitely a shift in culture to from mm -hmm. a nonprofit to a for-profit. So we had some really good conversations. Uh, she asked what, you know, what kind of questions might I ask in the interview? How should I get a feel for the organization? That sort of thing. That was really energizing to me. And so, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about the importance of mentoring and and I really en enjoyed doing that. So I just want to reemphasize the importance of that. Um, and I'm glad you, you brought it up in, in one of your prior uh, comments. What yeah, last but, minute but, thoughts or comments do you have, Brian? I, just that one, I, I, I value these conversations. We have these seem so natural. Um, and, and I'm grateful for our friendship and, and the working relationship we have. And I also wanted to pass on to you. I had a similar experience from our previous podcast in this series. Had, uh, had an individual reach out, thank you and I both for, for this, this series and how it helped them kind of navigate the early stages of their career. Um, and would, you know, to your point, encourage any of the listeners today to find that mentor or reach out to, to us here through the, through the Help the City channels. Uh, find someone else in your, local, in your local community. Attend a regional HCCA conference. Uh, become a member of HCCA. Uh, start finding uh, start finding those resources and make connections. Um, you'll, I think most of our listeners will find compliance professionals are wholeheartedly and genuinely interested in helping and mentoring new compliance professionals. Yeah, and, and I would encourage people to also get involved and to give back even at the early stages. Um, you know, maybe 
volunteer to write an article. Uh, you might not feel like you have the subject matter expertise, but maybe you write an article for HCA magazine or something that is, uh, you know, my my journey into compliance and the biggest questions that I have. So you can be authentic and and honest in where you're where you are currently, and I think that can be helpful to other people. I know they're always looking for authors in their uh, monthly publication, you know, or or submit to to speak. Find somebody else, and you know, you could speak to um, something that you do have experience in and maybe co-present with somebody else, get involved, give back. Uh, And I think the earlier you do that in your career, you'll see that doors open and and you make relationships. That's fantastic advice. Well, CJ, thank you so much for today. I I really appreciate it. Um, It's always a pleasure to, to, to spend some time with CJ. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks for all your expertise and, and experience that you bring to the table and, and sharing. And, you know, we're going to we're going to explore other opportunities, maybe bring on guests to continue kind of this conversation of careers and compliance and, and see if we can find others who, who might want to talk with us on air. Uh, and if, if you might be interested or know somebody, uh, we'd love to to uh, see who who might be interested in in talking about these things. So thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Compliance Conversations. Have a great day. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.